0: Today's scripture passage is taken from Matthew 26, verses 36 to 41, it's on page 917 of pew Bible. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak.
1: Good morning. This scripture, uh, again, as usual, is pretty self-evident in what it has to say. Very clear. Um, I find it challenging because um, it's something I think that applies to all of our life, uh, all of our lives. As we look at um, the title for the sermon today, it says Moving a Little Beyond. The term moving a little bit beyond simply means moving a little bit beyond where we are. And the trick with that is. All of us are different places in our lives. Some of you have been Christians for many years. Some of you have been Christians a very short time. Some of you have yet to make that decision in your life. Today, I'd like for us to think about what it is to be a Christian as we look at what Peter just said, or what Jesus said to Peter. In the Scripture, it talks very simply about uh, Jesus' request of Peter and his friends. It just simply says, Have a seat, stay awake, and watch. So sit, watch, and pray. Pretty simple instructions. Uh, doesn't require a genius to figure out what Jesus was asking him to do. He was saying, Be engaged in my experience, I need the support. The thing I want to say to you, say to me, we all need support at times. We all need encouragement. We all need to know that someone cares. Jesus said, you know, I'm about to go into a very difficult time. I'm not looking forward to going to Gethsemane and praying because I know full well that the end result is going to be that I still have to fulfill my responsibility." Some of the times you and I are the same. Some of the time we find ourselves in situations where we would like it to be different, but we know we have to be responsible. So Jesus said, please, just sit and concentrate and think and be engaged with me. Watch, be awake, be there for me when I need you. And pray. Because I need the support. You know, some of the times we say to ourselves, Well, I'm a Christian now. I've been baptized. I take the Lord's Supper. I'm pretty much a, a, an average Christian. My response to you and my response to me is, Gee, I hope you're not. Our world already has too many average Christians. The average Christians are the ones that don't encourage some of you who don't yet know Jesus to never become a Christian. The average Christians are the ones that make you wonder about the depth of our commitment and our walk with Jesus. Average Christians are the ones that very often do play Sunday morning church. But don't necessarily walk with Jesus and sit and watch and pray. For that, for any of you for sure that are not Christians yet, I ask your forgiveness for those of us who are average Christians too much of the time. I have a friend in Macau that many years ago was probably the most uh, dynamic leader that I can remember in the church. Uh, Everyone looked to this particular individual for any help. That they could possibly have anytime they had a spiritual question they didn't go to the pastor they went to this person and this person was someone who really gave their heart to to the ministry in every way but eventually had an opportunity to go overseas and so they went overseas and, and they went to the united states and while they were there got very involved and continued to be very heavily involved in church uh, very involved with different students and this kind of thing. And was studying in school, working on a master's degree. Everything looked great, but returned to Macau, married, and the church has not seen her for 30 years, 20 years. Why? I have another friend, very similar story. Why? What happened? What happened? Well, how can you be so hot-blooded in your faith, so committed to the Lord at one moment, and later it not be there? But yet, if you'll remember a certain man, again, named Peter, he had his good days and bad days, too. You see, this is not new, what we're going through. These things have all been experienced before. We can look in the Scripture and see example of, after example of where the people of Israel were following God. He was leading and directing. Everything was good. And they said, God, we will praise You with all of our lives. We will serve You in every way. You are our God and we are here to serve because we recognize Your care. And yet, certain things happened in their lives and suddenly you would question whether they ever knew there was a God. People are like that. Why are human beings this way? How is it possible that we are such hot-blooded Christians when it's convenient and so weak when it's not convenient? Why do we follow this pattern? Has VCBC ever experienced people that at one time were heavily involved in church giving all they could give, looking as if in every way, Jesus is their Lord. We use the word Lord. The word Lord is a good word. I'm not sure we fully understand it because Lord is not temporary. But have we ever experienced people that we were used to remember? A good friend of ours that was here until a year ago. And I haven't seen him since. Or he maybe he went, we say, oh, I think he's going to another church. But in fact, he's probably going to Bedside Baptist. He's, he's, he's not actively involved. Why do they do that? Is it just they're sleeping and have to sleep more? What are the values that you have say to you? What do the, where do they challenge you? Why indeed are you here this morning? Do we come as Christians because Mom is here and I have no choice? Do we come to the church because Dad is here and I have no choice? Is it because our friends are here and we want to meet them so we can all go out for lunch afterward and have a good time? Are we here because God has challenged us? Are we here to meet Jesus on Sundays with other brothers and sisters? Or are we here for ourselves? What motivates our faith? You know, in English we have a term, talk is cheap. Sometimes our faith is cheap. When I look at Jesus talking to Peter, if I were Jesus, I can't even imagine the frustration Three times. It didn't happen once. You see, the story goes on beyond verse 41. And Peter went back again. Jesus went back again, and again, Peter was snoring. The Bible doesn't say snoring, sleeping. The point is, Jesus gave clear expectation. He has expectation for you, He has expectation for me. What do we do with that expectation? Brothers and sisters, I'm not telling you what you should do. I'm saying what we should do. All too often, our faith is only when it's convenient. And it's for the wrong motivation, it's to make other people observe us to see how we appear to be Christian. As we look at moving a little beyond, the question is what is our commitment? Moving a little beyond where we are is a question of our commitment and who we're committed to. As we look at the Scripture, we see the sit, the watch, the pray, and yet we also saw that they slept. So it was not for lack of instruction. It was lack of obedience. You know, because you've heard me say this before, Ecclesiastes chapter twelve thirteen is a very favorite verse of mine. Because it gives the bottom line. The whole duty of man is to fear God and obey His commands. theme. It's simple. It doesn't require a great deal of exegesis to understand respecting God and doing what He asked. We don't do very well. When we look and we ask ourselves, what are things that are important? We have to ask ourselves if we are developing spiritually. In our spiritual walk, are we developing and walking clearly with the Lord? Jesus' request, I don't think, was unrealistic. All He asked was for them to be on page with Him. He only said, please sit here, concentrate, focus, stay awake, and pray and they couldn't do it. When we have you come to church on Sunday, how well do we focus? You know, the focus is not on me. The focus is on Jesus. That's why we come together. I'm here with you, worshiping, focusing on Him. The goal is to find out what His Word says to us. And allow it to change me and make me more valuable as I try to serve Him and seek Him for guidance and leadership in all that I am. And I want that for you too. We've got to learn to sit, to watch, and to pray with expectancy. So when we ask ourselves, how are we developing as a Christian? How how is our depth? Those are legitimate questions for us to consider. Our churches are already full of very good, moral people. They still, though, tend to know very little when it comes to their spiritual walk. We're a sleeping church here as well. The potential of VCBC is amazing. Our issue here has never been lack of knowledge. When we go this next week for the ones that are going to, to, uh, we're going to be studying about Nehemiah. Well, I want you to understand ahead of time. It is not a let's go, put more knowledge in our head experience that I'm after. It's not what I think we need. Our lack of knowledge is not our problem. God wants to bless us because of our faithfulness. He wants to bless us because of our willingness to be used by Him. These are difficult days, but they're exciting days too. It's only in difficulty that we really see the quality of people we are. We don't see the quality of God. God's quality hasn't been changed. But we do see our relationship with God as we evaluate who we are, as we're dependent on Him. These are exciting days. So watch what the Lord can do at BCBC. At the time that we will be in Cedar Springs, there is going to be a service here. A translated worship service, which will be a lot of fun, I think. It's going to be the Mandarin congregation and the English congregation here. And my expectation is we'll have a good room full of people here worshiping. We need to be praying for them. That service will be an exciting service on the 31st here, as well as our time where we're going to be in Cedar Springs. Everybody gets to win, because we're all just seeking God's leadership and guidance. We are a sleeping church, but we don't need to be, and we don't have to be. No one is forcing us to avoid being bold and stepping beyond our ability. Sometimes our traditions get us, yes, we're a Chinese church, I know. Sometimes we allow our conservative, traditional ideas and fear of failure or fear of stumbling or loss of a little bit of faith, to keep us from being bolder than we are. Those kinds of things we need to ask God to challenge us. God doesn't need more faith. He has plenty. We don't need to fear we're going to embarrass God. But when we don't show faith, that is an embarrassment. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 7 says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, unto another gospel, which is not another, but there are, Be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. We have to know what our faith is. A few weeks back we had someone here speaking on apologetics. For us to say we know what we believe and not actually study the Word of God would be wrong. Studying the Word of God is not our biggest problem. We do need to continue to do that. But we need to be bold enough to step out on the faith that we have. Galatians says, I'm amazed in that book. I'm amazed at how we allow things to distract us from God. For myself, I can't help reflect on experiences I've had where I've been involved with different, coming in contact with different cult groups. And groups that start off with the, the Word of God and then just make it a little bit strange. The Mormons can pull that off. Eastern Lightning can pull that off. There are all kinds of groups. They can start off with God, and then suddenly they've got Jesus, and then Jesus turns into a woman. That's not the moment, That's Eastern Lightning. But it's amazing how you can get things that just get a little awkward and get a little bit more, more strange. And the Scripture says, I'm amazed. I've been trying to give you clarity. Paul tries to give clarity. Peter tries to give clarity. Luke tries to give clarity. These people are writing in the Scripture for our benefit so that we don't get confused, and yet we still manage to do so. The people in the Scripture that were receiving these letters are no different than we. Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.4 For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love of God. Which I have more abundantly unto you. Wherefore I beseech you. This is Second Corinthians two eight and nine. Says, Wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. For this end also I write that I might know the uh, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. The challenge is obedience. Knowledge is not the issue because if you'll remember James chapter 2, verse 19, very clear the demons know the facts. Knowing the facts is inadequate. Knowing the facts of who Jesus is, demons know, but they're scared to death of it. They're not willing to be dependent on Him, they're not allowing Him to be Lord. You know, coming to church on Sunday morning does not mean Jesus is your Lord. Just because we warm a seat on Sunday morning here because mom or dad told us we should go to church does not make Christ our Lord. Joining the church, being baptized, can be valuable or can be a waste of time. Unfortunately, I have to confess, I've known people who were members of churches. That means they went through the what we call motoban, the, the little course or class that you have to go through to be able to be baptized. They went through, they passed the test, they said the right things, everything went well. They were baptized, they went in the water, but see, the water is not magical. And afterward you would never have known that they were Christians. I've known people who waited years to be baptized because somehow down in their theology, there was a fear that they were unworthy to be baptized. Actually, that kind of person probably is better than the first kind. Someone who is taking it serious enough that baptism has meaning for them. And yet we do recognize Matthew 28, 19 and 20 tells us that baptism is important. It's obedience. I want to encourage you. If this, even this day you have not publicly professed your faith and been baptized, you should. You should be. I'll be glad to baptize you right here. Because we want you to follow Christ in a public way. But at the same time, I do want anyone who does know Christ has not been baptized to realize we respect the fact that you're taking it seriously. How we treat our faith is very important. I've also met those people who joined the church and were were very involved and remained very faithful in their service to God. Praise God for those kinds as well but the point is joining the church getting a church piece of paper saying i'm a member doesn't guarantee guarantee anything except if you go back to hong kong you can be buried in a christian cemetery sounds strange huh but it's true it's one of our greater challenges theologically in Hong Kong, it's an issue all the time. We have older people that suddenly become Christians right before they die. And it's very good. Now, some are very legitimate decisions. Not saying anything about those. But others, you kind of have to question whether or not the goal is just to find a good place to be buried. Because that is the rule. Do we ever play games with God? We learn the structure and have problems. If you've got energy today, make your decision now. Is Jesus Lord or not? You know, I've often wondered what would happen if a pastor came up and preached on a Sunday morning and he said, now look, here's the deal. If you're not going to make Jesus Lord, if you're not going to take your decision seriously, if all you're going to do is come to church on Sunday morning and sit over in a corner and sleep, don't come. I've never heard a pastor do that. But I've wondered whether that really would be bad or not. Because we're allowing some people to sit in that pew believing that just being present may have a little hope. And that's not true. It won't happen. It doesn't give you any hope. Sitting in that pew going to sleep doesn't do anything. These are not holy chairs that magically clean you up because you came in on a Sunday. The Scripture is very challenging to us at that point, saying that our issue is we often try to sell grace too inexpensively, too cheap. You see, to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord demands action, commitment. And commitment is something that's not done passively. Passive commitment by just physically being present doesn't count. It gets you no extra stars on your chart. Beyond the issue of our discipleship or our development as Christians, another major important thing for us to consider related to commitment is that we must be willing to follow the will of God. You know, we've, we did a Scripture uh, time where we looked at chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. And chapter 6 was very clear about prayer. And you know, since we're talking about how important prayer was to Jesus, as Jesus was giving instruction to sit, watch, and pray, we have to remember that Matthew 6 says very clearly, pray for the will of God, not pray for the will of me. You know, you may not always like what the Bible tells you to do. You may not always like what God's instructions are for us. They may not always be simple or comfortable or attractive. But they're still what God expects. John 2.17 Doing the will of God requires more than just being a Sunday Christian. The call of the Christian is to be a follower. A disciple. Being his follower and living like Jesus is the will of God. You don't have to guess at his will. Matthew 6.33 says, Knowing that following Christ is the will of God is inadequate. We must seek the kingdom of God. Then we may be assured that God's blessings will come. Back a few weeks ago, I was listening uh, to a pretty well-known preacher. Uh, he had a lot of bible knowledge but um it was it was interesting to hear because he was sharing um different stories and different things but I, as we as we as I listened to him i couldn't help but remember some of the illustrations of what he mentioned, and he went ahead and confessed that one of the difficulties for non Christians in our world today to become a Christian is the weak witness of Christians, including Ministers. You see, ministers put on their pants one leg at a time, just like everybody else. But the difference is, people have a higher expectation of most ministers. Not saying it's fair, but it's true. And I remember listening because he mentioned a particular individual's name that I remember just about destroyed my life when I was a young person. I was about 18 years of age, and there was a man that I had gone and participated in his evangelism crusades. And oh, he was a big-time preacher. Well, then I learned that he had had an affair with his secretary. And it was just talking, this minister that I was listening to was talking about the impact of that minister's witness, his testimony. I couldn't help but reflect on how much, what it had done to me. Because I began to have some major questions. If a minister acts like that, a man who's supposed to be following God with all that he is, how can I expect that Christians are going to do very well in the future? He's the one that's supposed to be the cheerleader, he's the one up front guiding the team. I almost lost my faith through the testimony of that man. He ended up going into business, interesting business, started working for a funeral home. I guess he knew how to preach the the funerals. The lives that we live, the testimonies that we live, very, very much will impact others. Many years ago, I had an experience in Hong Kong when I was teaching where I threw a student out of class. Throwing him out of class was quite an experience for him. It certainly was an experience for me because I'd never done it before. But he was uh, a student who just simply refused to learn. He had no interest in being there. No plan to be... No dream of how it was going to apply to his life in any way. And he was disruptive in every way. You know, there are times when I think God needs to look down and throw us out of class. Praise God He doesn't. You know, just like with Peter... God is a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. Even as we look at the story in Matthew, multiple times Jesus goes back, finds them asleep again. Finds them asleep again. I think He finds us asleep too often as well. Only you know your motivation for why you call yourself a Christian and why we come together. Another thing that we need to ask ourselves is, what is our prayer health? The health of our prayer. We need to live, talk, and walk with the power of prayer. You don't have to look holy to be a person who prays. You don't have to walk around with a Bible like this to be able to say, I'm a person who prays all the time. But many people will know if you ever offer to pray for them. I know there are people in this room who make phone calls to people and simply say, May I pray for you? It's a word of encouragement, a word of care. It's also a word of obedience. Because that is what we're asked to do. Sit, watch, and pray. Our goal is to become better Christians and more serious Christians. Our goal is to have a commitment that is healthy. Today, my challenge is to say that only you know what kind of a commitment you truly have for Christ. You know, when you drive a car, it takes a commitment. There are multiple things things that go on. You sit down behind the wheel, that's a commitment. When you turn on the key, that's a kind of a commitment. When you put it in gear, that's the kind of a commitment. The biggest commitment is the person that dares to sit next to you when you're doing those things. But as you begin to move, that is a commitment. My daughter in law loves to ride horses. They own a couple of horses. And um, every time she rides that horse, when she puts the bridle on, there's a commitment that she's moving in a direction. She puts the saddle on, that's a commitment, moving more in the direction. When she gets on that horse and starts moving, the commitment becomes real. Commitment is more than recognizing things in your mind. To say, I believe I can drive a car is one thing. To say, I believe I can ride a horse is one thing. But when you get on the horse and when you get behind the wheel of a car, you're proving something quite different. Because you're actually proving that you can do what you say. Um... For those of you who have ever been to Hong Kong, we have a mountain there called Lantau. It's an island. It's uh, about 3,000 feet in height. I understand Whistler's like 2,200. And I used to go to that uh, island quite a bit and go hiking there. And we loved to go to the top of the mountain. Well, that's not true. We loved to come down from the top of the mountain. Going up to the top of the mountain is a different issue. But we went to the top of the mountain in order to be able to come down the mountain. And um, it was always quite a fun experience in the sense that you'd have several people there. I personally did not go for the idea of talking on the way up. I didn't mind talking coming down, but talking going up was not great for me. But I can remember going there many, many times. Well, yesterday I went to Cleveland Dam and um i don't know my way around here very much but when we went to went past cabalano we we're up in that area i just thought this is interesting we went in and we went to the bottom down where they had the, the salmon in the little place they've got a a, a place where they uh, grow the salmon and then we wandered through the mountains and wandered through the trees and eventually got our way to the top of the dam by the time we got to the top of the dam Uh, yeah, I had been on a little hike, but it was a little hike, and I knew that because I've been on much bigger hikes. But still, when I got there, uh, it was, we were tired. And then, and there was, uh, there were people who went all the way up, there were people who did not go up at all, there were people who went, people of all different commitments that were involved in this hiking. And when you get to the top, there is a sense of uh, satisfaction that you made it to the top. But then we found that one of the people in our group had a slight problem with her foot. So we came back a different road rather than through the, through the uh, trees. But my point with this is just simply to say, when I, when I went, I did not know where I was going. I never, I didn't know the pathway to get up to this thing. Uh, I didn't know how far out into the trees we were going to go. Because, you know, from my perspective, being a simpleton that I am, again, my last name is in Chinese is Gan Gan, Gan, Gan Gan. you know, so I'm a little simple. You know, I'm looking at the top of the dam. And I can see it's there. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, if we have to use steps only, that's going to be some kind of a walk. But the first thing we did was go that way. I, I, You know, I'm trying to put it all together. But we went that way and then we wound around. We went up and down. Went this way. Eventually got where we were going. The people that I was with knew where they were going. I didn't know. I had to trust them. I had to trust that they knew what they were doing. I had to make a commitment to them that they wouldn't take me out there and lose me. Because I could have been lost forever, because I mean, I really don't know. I mean, I wouldn't even know how to ask the question, get me back to Vancouver, you know, or something. I have no idea, you know. So we were out walking around. But the point was, I, didn't, I had to learn to trust the people. I had to trust that we would make it to our destination and that we would get back to the, the vehicle where we started. There was a level of commitment in the lives of other people. What Jesus is asking of Peter and his friends, these disciples, is trust me. Do what I ask. It's valuable. Brothers and sisters, that's what he's asking of you and me too. Trust me. Believe it. It's valuable. It's what the church is being asked also to do. Trust me. It's valuable, I'll protect it. I'll take care of it. It'll be all right. The question is, how much are we willing to commit to this process? You know the future leadership of this church is found in the in the people that are between the ages of sixteen and thirty. We need you guys. You're important. You're the future. But I have to go back to my friends in Macau, my friends in Hong Kong, and ask, why are they no longer in church? So we don't want to lose you. We don't need to lose you. But the question is, what, what is the issue? How can we help you to develop and walk and hunger after God? Because I don't want you here because mom makes you come. I don't want you here because dad makes you come. I don't want you here because of guilt. We want you here because Jesus is in your heart and guides you. And for everybody in here, the same motivation must be within us. We must learn what our spiritual health is. We've got to learn to sit We've got to learn to watch and we've got to learn to pray. If the church will do that as people, brothers and sisters in Christ, God will bless us beyond our imaginations. Let's pray for commitment for ourselves and for our church. Father God, I thank you today for allowing us to come together as a family of brothers and sisters. We know that we are weak we know that we make mistakes, we know that we don't know what to do very very often. And yet we recognize that dependency on you will give us focus, a direction and meaning and purpose. Father, help us to learn to sit and hunger after discipleship. Hunger after following you and not our own desires and conveniences and comforts. Father, Help us to learn to sit in Your power, to grow and mature, and to watch with expectancy for what You're going to do in our lives and what You do in our lives. And Father, help us when we do get weak, to not go to sleep. Father, we ask that You would help us to remain awake, that we would remain vigilant, and that we would pray. Every time we are challenged, we would pray, God, use me. Use our church. Give us clarity for why we're here. And let us be bold in trying new things for Your kingdom. In Jesus' name, Amen.